A reading from the 11th chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, beginning with the first verse. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after He had finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught His disciples, He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be Your name, Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And everyone, for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who if your child asked for a fish will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, your title this morning is Snakes, Scorpions, and Prayer. (laughs) They don't seem like they fit together, do they? Although I can remember a time when talk about snakes made me feel moved to pray a little bit or at least live. There was a man named Dewey Davis who was a member of the Pine Hill United Methodist Church, which was part of my first appointment. And I loved Dewey very much. And Dewey asked me to go on a dog drive with him. Was we let dogs out of a car, they chase deer, you hunt the deer, right? As an upstate person, I had been trained that that was unethical and immoral, which is foreign words to people down there because they love it. So I thought, well, I guess I'll get off my high horse and go, right? And so I went, and it was fun. I'm not going to lie to you. It was a lot of fun, but it was terrifying too. And it was terrifying like this. While I sat there with my upstate hunting boots on, you know, boots that come up this high because we don't have 10-foot timber rattlers roaming around in the swamp you're hunting in, right? While I sat there in those, another fellow named Danny stood up and started polling the group of hunters that had come. Wanted to know, number one, who has their snake boots? (laughs) I said, yeah, time to go. And then he said, who has their hip waders? (laughs) You hear that? 
And so my attention shifted from hunting with this man that I loved to whether I should leave or pray for safety. And my first thought was it's time to go. Praying. It's an odd thing that Jesus would bring up snakes and scorpions right after teaching about praying, but maybe it's not so odd because maybe in the depth of prayer we pray about those things that that scare us. Maybe in those places where prayer is most real are those places where we can't fake it, right? Where we can't act like we're not scared anymore. We can't act like we're not terrified anymore. We can't act like we're not afraid. And listen, when all you've ever hunted in is broom straw and pine trees and oak trees, when people start talking about putting on snake boots and getting out their hip waders, you get nervous. Because they're planning on dropping you off in the dark with a flashlight, and your flashlight is little and tiny. (laughs) And then they say, walk to this tree, go to that tree. And you know, behind every tree is that big giant snake they were talking about. (laughs) It's hard to fake real prayer. And I'm not shocked that one of Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, but I'm a little shocked that he had to. It's always seemed odd to me that Jesus' first disciples seemed to have had to ask him to teach them to pray. Because I don't know about you, but most of the time when I pray, I feel completely inadequate to it. I'm not aware of a block of passages in the old scripture or, or a couple chapters or five verses that are, a, a, you know, like prayer for dummies book that I can pull out and read to you and all of a sudden you would completely understand how to be a prayer warrior. And to be honest with you, I hate that term. Because the last thing I feel like when I pray is some kind of warrior. I feel like praying makes me want to stay behind Jesus. Jesus is the warrior. But then people tell me I need to feel that way, right? Like I'm down on my knees doing battle with the devil. I'm like, not me. I'm behind Jesus. But I wonder, what's it like to have that much confidence in prayer? What's it like to to be at that place where you feel like you no longer have to read prayer books? (laughs) How to have effective prayer. You know, Jesus, I guess, could have told them, memorize the Psalms and parrot them. When they said, Lord, teach us how to pray, he could have said, have you not read David in the Psalms? Have you not read Psalm 23? Have you not read Psalm 51? Have you not read? But he didn't do that. He didn't tell them to memorize Psalms that they could just spit out at any moment. He didn't tell them to sit down and memorize prayers. He gave them a pattern that we pray every Sunday. But these folks seem to have recognized that Jesus was a prophet. And surely they thought that if he's a prophet, then he must have some secret insight to prayer. He must be someone who can teach us to pray in a way that's better than what we know now. They must have thought that he had what Luke Timothy Johnson calls this, special knowledge concerning communication with God. I'd like to have a nickel for every person out there that acts like they have special knowledge for communication with God, wouldn't you? How would you like to have a dollar for every sentence that's been spent writing about how to have effective prayer? What if the only sentences we need are those Jesus gave us?
Like we're looking for some super secret code or something that makes Jesus, makes God give us what we want. That super secret code or key that frees God to act, they say. They call that effective prayer. It's a bit of a buzzword today. I guess that's actually a buzz phrase, isn't it? Effective prayer. And I'm aware that there are traditions and teaching in the church, in the global church, they stress everything from ways to pray, whether you sing, whether you whisper, whether you do a breath prayer, whether you should shout, whether you should not speak at all, but think it all in your head, whether you have to speak out loud. There are whole congregations of churches in Korea that pray out loud and they don't pray the same thing. They don't read the same words. They just say their own prayer out loud in the congregation. All praise together that way. All over the church, there are different ways of praying. All over the church, there are ways that people say and insist that this is the right way to pray and the only effective way to pray. There are postures for prayer. I will never forget Monroe Burley, 90-year-old man that cut down the oak tree in the yard at Swansea United Methodist Church. Not only did he cut it down, he chopped it up, split it, and gave it away for firewood to other people. Told me one day that he knelt at his dinner table before every meal he ate. I was astounded by that. It had never occurred to me that I might ought to kneel when I do a dinner blessing. Sometimes I forget to do it. Postures for prayer. Places for prayer. You can only play in certain places. People say, hey, where is your, where is your prayer room? Car? <laughs> Proper dress for prayer. Whether our heads should be covered, uncovered. Whether we should have on feet or not. Should we have on socks? Should our feet fill the ground when we pray? Any number of things that are intended to make our prayers more effective. To make sure we get it right. So that God can act. More effective. Effective prayer. It seems to me that when people say they want to make our prayer more effective, what they're really trying to say is that we'll get what we want based on how, when, or where we asked. And I don't know about you, but that seems like a lot of pressure to me. I rarely get most things right. I surely don't want to have to get prayer right for God to be able to do good things for me. Because half the time when I'm praying, my thoughts turn to doing something else. You ever have that problem? Not here, of course. (laughs) Maybe sometimes. It's a lot of pressure. That view that our prayer is dependent on how we do it, where we do it, how we do it, what we say, suggests that the effectiveness of prayer is rooted in our performance of prayer. Like God's up there with a cosmic report guard saying, oh, nope, can't do that today. She didn't ask for it right. It's a terrifying thing to me that God's response to prayer might be rooted in my effectiveness of praying. To my ears, that suggests that I don't have a chance. It also suggests that if I get prayer just right, if I finally say the right words, if I finally get the right posture, have on the right clothes, the right amount of faith, then my prayer will be effective, which means that God will have to do what I ask God to do, or most of the time, right, what we tell God to do. 
You ever notice that? A lot of our prayers are be with, do with, heal, do this, 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 do this. If I just get all that right, my prayer will be effective and God will have to act. And that suggests that effective prayer, people think, is prayer that controls God. And I have to tell you, that seems absurd to me. It reminds me of a comedian named Emo Phillips. Anybody remember him? He was popular for like three days. No? He said this, When I was a kid, I used to pray every night for a new bicycle. Then I realized that the Lord doesn't work that way, so I stole one and asked God to forgive me. Sounds like daily life, doesn't it? Don't have enough patience to wait for the things we want, so we take it. Don't trust God to do what we need, so we do it ourselves. Don't trust God, so we hurt people. There was a boy that really wanted a bike really bad, and his mom told him, says, son, it, pray for the bike. She was just tired of hearing it, you know? So she said, pray. So he ran to church, through the church doors, to the altar, knelt, said, Lord, I want a bike. Ran home, looked in the garage, no bike. For days he did that. For days. On a Friday morning, went to the church again. Lord, I want a bike. I just want a bike. That's all I want. And he looked over and he saw a manger scene. And he walked over and looking at it with great devotion and a twinkle in his eye, he picked up the figurine of Mary. And he held Mother Mary in his arms and he looked at the baby Jesus and said, Lord, if you ever want to see your mother again, Now we laugh, but that sounds like a lot of our prayers. Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Lord, if you really loved me, I wouldn't be struggling like I am. Lord, if you loved me, you wouldn't leave me home. You wouldn't let my spouse die. I get nervous when I hear people say, prayer works. Because God actually works. I get nervous when I hear people say things that make it sound like God is on a leash that we call prayer. And if I jerk it just the right way, God will heal and obey me. The purpose of prayer, I feel safe in saying this, is not to control God. Do you agree with that, church? The purpose of prayer is not to give us a way to control God. Our Father, whose name is hallowed, whose name is revered above every name, including mine. 
Would we really contend that the purpose of prayer is to provoke, require, or force God to give us what we want? Those books that talk about effective prayer are essentially saying that to us. That if we pray correctly, if we pray right, with the right words, with the right patience, with the right posture, with the right faith, then God will do what we ask God to do. And I wonder if the truth isn't if we just trust God, then we ask for the right things. Those other kinds of things say that prayer frees God to act in our lives. As if God needs our permission to be good for us and to be good to us. How can my words possibly force God to do anything or free God to do anything? I only exist because God spoke and said, let there be. How in the world could my words ever be that powerful? And people who usually teach that kind of stuff also say that God answers prayers and when you sow a seed of faith. And that becomes the key for them. And sowing a seed of faith to them means that you send money to their ministry or to their website. And if you don't believe me, I can give you that website's URL later that will teach you that the secret to having the power of your prayer unlocked is for you to ask and to sow a seed into their ministry and then you will get what you want. Not only that, they'll send you an anointed prayer cloth to make sure you get what you want. Got to get me one of those now. If I can take a handkerchief and make God do what I want God to do, I can solve some problems in the world, can I? But I can tell you right now, if every prayer I had ever prayed had been answered, I wouldn't be standing here today. And it turns out I wanted the wrong thing. That's not a possibility. That's a certainty. If God had answered every prayer... My tearful prayer in the floor of my office is humility and as much humility as I had with my face on cold tile floor crying, crying out, don't make me do that. If God had answered that prayer the way I wanted God to, I would not be here. Turns out I was wrong. But I had it all right, all the effectiveness. I was on my knees, in the floor, weeping. I was humble. I had read the Word, prayed the Word, did all that stuff. Everybody said I had the faith to believe it was okay for me to be an architect and keep teaching Sunday school and preaching for pastors who wanted to go on vacation. But I was wrong. Is it that my prayer wasn't effective? Or is it God is good? I'm going to go with the latter. Because turns out what's best for me is being this. Jesus, when asked how to pray, teaches a simple construct for prayer. And he tells a story. And he speaks some comparisons about snakes and scorpions in prayer. That seemed to me to affirm that the power associated with prayer is not in how or why or when or for how long we pray, but in who we pray to. 
prayer is the God of love. The power of prayer is in who we pray to. Not what we say or how we say it. And all I can tell you is that my story taught me that. Because I started out praying, Lord, don't make me do that when I was 17 years old. To 35 years old praying for it. And asking to be a pastor. And I don't know when that changed, but I know that prayer changed me. So if you say prayer changes things, I'm going to agree with you. It changes us. It changes our thoughts. It changes how we see the world. It changes how we see other people. It keeps us from being able to look at someone who just wants somebody to respect their life and say, your life doesn't matter. All that matters is that I get what I get and I get what I want and I got mine coming to me and I don't care about you. Prayer keeps us from buying into that distinctly American way of being where we say it's all about us, all about me, all about the individual, all about my rugged freedom, all about me getting what I want, being self-determined, autonomous, all of that stuff. And we realize that really what life comes down to and all of the meaning in life is in relatedness. The one thing we need from last week, dear ones, relatedness to Jesus. And prayer gives that to us. And in that intimacy with Christ, in that intimacy with the Father, in that intimacy with the Spirit, our thought patterns are changed, our behavior is changed, our values are changed, and everything we believe about the world comes to be changed to the values of God and Christ. And so Jesus taught us to pray, Father, Your name is holy. Your kingdom come, which doesn't allow my kingdom to be number one. Give us the bread we need. Teaches us to be dependent on God for all things. Forgive our sins. In our humility, we ask God to restore us to God's self. As we forgive those indebted to us, reminds us that God's mercy must be available through us to others. Keep us from the time of trial reminds us that God's desire for us is good. These words, I believe, are more about changing us than changing God. They're about making us believe that God is greater than we are. That God's kingdom is worth waiting for. That God's kingdom is worth seeking. That God will give that kingdom to us. That God is at work bringing peace and hope and love to the world. That God doesn't need to be changed. We do. The power of prayer is in our reflection and focus on a heavenly Father who will not treat us with evil intent. Not give us a snake when we need a fish. Not give us a scorpion when we need an egg. So Jesus' insight for us is to pray like this.
Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And then he tells us a story about a man who with shameless persistence comes to seek something he doesn't have to meet the needs of someone else. Be shameless in seeking mercy for others, Jesus teaches us. Don't be prideful, but desire God's mercy. Admitting both our needs and our inability to meet them. As the man at the door said, a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. Ask, Jesus says. Search, Jesus says. Knock, Jesus says. Effective prayer. Don't even know what that means. But I know an effective God. I don't know what powerful prayer looks like, but I know a powerful God. A God who when we ask, gives. Who when we searches, allows us to find. And who when we knock, opens a door for us. Trust God the Father, Son, and Spirit to whom we pray. The power of prayer does not rest in your performance of prayer. It doesn't rest in you getting it right, saying the right words, giving money through the right ministry. It doesn't rest in any of that. The power of prayer rests in the goodness of God Almighty. It rests in the one to whom we pray. So let us pray, dear ones, trusting that the one to whom we pray will be good. For Jesus said, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to us if we ask? Trust God with your fears, with your needs, and with His kingdom. That is the heart of prayer. Amen.